Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. My friend was texting me. He was so upset. And I said, Hey, this isn't about what's morally right. That's ethics. Politics is about what you can get done. This is Sarah and Beth. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, the home of grace-filled political conversations. everyone. We're in Dallas. It's Thursday. We recorded this episode on Wednesday. There's been some news since then, so we thought we'd record a little a pre-episode before the episode gets started. When we recorded on Wednesday, we knew most of the Super Tuesday results. We knew that the world was lining up to endorse one Joseph R. Biden, and we will talk about that in this episode. We had a feeling that there could be some change with Team Warren, which is why you won't hear a whole lot of discussion of Senator Warren in this episode. But since then, she is the news. And we know that many, many of you 
are heartbroken by Senator Warren's announcement that she's suspending her campaign. And let's be real, Sarah, people just want to hear from you about this. So go ahead. I am also very upset that Elizabeth Warren is not going to be our president. I think I'd already accepted that before she made the news official, but there is something particularly emotional about the official announcement, about hearing her say she's sad about all the pinky promises she made to little girls across the country. It is sad. You know, it's sad every time we get disappointed and every time it doesn't happen. But what I want to say and what I want to make sure everyone hears is a woman president is inevitable. It is inevitable. That's not me being hopeful. I believe that to my core. It's going to happen. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. I feel very confident, even though we're not supposed to make predictions or be confident about anything in 2020, that if Joseph Biden is the nominee, I think he most likely will be, he will pick a female. I hope it's Elizabeth Warren. But even if it's not, I think it will be another qualified, wonderful female public servant. And there's a part of me that thinks America just needs a just needs a little ramp up before we get the female president. We're going to start with a female vice president. That's okay. Everybody needs to warm up to the idea. But as someone who you know, has been wanting this and feeling like it was coming since 2007 when I was working for Hillary Clinton. Even on this day, even on this day, it feels closer than it ever has been, y'all. It's going to happen. Don't be discouraged. It's going to happen. I mean, I went almost my entire adult life. I mean, think about it. Between Geraldine Ferraro and Hillary Clinton, there was nobody. And now it's like every cycle, every cycle, there's more. It becomes more common to have a female candidate or to have a female in the primary or a female vice president. It's coming out. I promise it's coming. There are all these rumors that Trump is going to dump Pence and put Nikki Haley on the ticket with him because he recognizes mm-hmm. that everybody is done with this. Yeah. And I think I don't want to take crumbs and be happy with them. Yeah. But I do recognize that it's a remarkable thing that there is going to be an enormous amount of pressure mm-hmm. surrounding the Democratic nominee to make sure that there is a woman on the ticket and hopefully a person of color on the ticket as well. It bothers me to think about four white people here. I agree with everything that you just said. And also, as we always do, just want to say, feel your feelings about this because Elizabeth Warren was never my candidate because of political philosophy. I 100% understand the rage that a lot of women feel about the fact that she would have been, in their estimation, in mine as well, mm-hmm. a much more effective messenger yep. for the progressive wing of the Democratic Party than Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. And if you are a Bernie Sanders lover, we will talk to you another day. I love you. Don't be mad. <laughs> but just right now in this moment, I get why women all around this country are saying, you have got to be kidding, kidding me. me. And so um, 
that's okay. That's yeah. a valid thing to feel at the same time as you know that you will not be waiting forever. No. None of us will be waiting forever. Someday a woman will represent my point of view mm-hmm. um, in a presidential contest. We will We will get this. Yeah. I really believe that. I'm not um, – it's not even that I think she'd be a good representative for the progressive movement. I think she was a good compromise between the two of them. But what do I know? America didn't ask me and that's fine. Um, I just don't, I don't feel hopeless. Please do not feel hopeless. I really, as someone who has shed these tears many times over the last, you know, 15 years, and I I get it and you got to feel it, but I just don't want y'all to feel hopeless because I, I truly, truly believe it is not hopeless. It is not hopeless. I think we're all going to be surprised over the next year, two years, two months. Who knows? I think if Joe Biden was smart, he would pick a vice presidential candidate, a female vice presidential candidate sooner rather than later and keep building that momentum, keep building that excitement. Because, you know, I kind of blew off the vice presidential pick in the past. But let's be honest, because of the age of the candidates, it's very important, more important than it has been when Obama was picking a vice president. So I'm sad. I know it's discouraging. Feel your feelings. But repeat this mantra after me. (laughs) A female president is inevitable. It is inevitable. Well, there's a lot going on in this primary that led to this outcome. And that's what we're going to talk about next. So here is what we recorded for you yesterday as we were taking in Super Tuesday results. Hello, everyone. Super Tuesday has come and gone, and we have a lot to talk about. Before we get started, a little housekeeping. We had another fun night on Hot Mike covering the Super Tuesday results. We'll be back on Hot Mike for the last Democratic debate of the primary. So if you're interested in that, download the app. Follow us on Hot Mike, link in the show notes. We also have not one, not two, not three, four shows in a row coming up um, for our spring tour. At the end of this month, we'll be in Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Boston, and New York City with meet and greets before each show. So click the link in our show notes to go to our events page and check all of that out. Is that it? Is that the big stuff, Beth? Oh, we have one more thing. Yes. And if you would like to hear how we think about talking to our children about politics, which we do all the time in both the Stuart Holland and Silver's houses, you can check out our episode on Good Kids from Lemonada Media. And we'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. Beth, do you recall our last event in New Hampshire, which was a teeny tiny low energy Joe Biden event? where Sean Hannity walked around and basically danced on the Democrats' grave. I do recall that event. I recall standing with the team from The Daily, watching it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and thinking, this is sad. Mm -hmm, We -hmm. also saw our good friend Courtney Hill there from Polaris Strategies, who was working advance, and the advance work was fabulous. But Mm -hmm. the energy in the room was not... It was not high. Mm-hmm. Beth, was this event several months ago? It wasn't. No, it was mere weeks ago. It was mere weeks. <laughs> mere weeks. Mere, mere moments. 
mere moments ago. I, I, I do feel good about being at that event, making those conclusions, and also saying, we don't make assumptions about 2020. We don't do that anymore. No assumptions, no predictions. So at least we were right about that part. Because now... Had we been making predictions. (laughs) Right. Mm. Post Super Tuesday, things are looking a little bit different for Joe Biden. Who won? Virginia, Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Tennessee, also the M states, Maine, Massachusetts, which makes makes me sad Elizabeth Warren came in third, and Minnesota. It was it was a lot. It was a lot of states, is all I'm saying. Quite a few states. A lot of states, and it included states that he didn't campaign in, right? Places he had yeah. no field operation whatsoever, places he hadn't even visited in his capacity as a candidate for president this time around, his third time. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot to take in, and you can feel the entire professional political class taking it in and trying to figure out, oh, uh, what what was it that we missed earlier here? Mm-hmm. Well, we will say that Bernie Sanders won Colorado, Utah, Vermont, and it looks likely, although it's pretty close, that he's going to win in California, which has a massive amount of delegates. But I think it's worth pointing out that even in Vermont, he didn't sweep, which he did in 2016. He lost a lot of the vote share in Minnesota. In Maine, and despite the fact that, like you said, this was in the face of his prolific fundraising and ground game and just a total lack of that from the Joe Biden campaign. Now, speaking of money and ground game, have you now done the math on what Michael Bloomberg spent per delegate for these Super Tuesday results? Well, it is hard to do the math with precision until all of the math is in, because as of the time we're recording this, there are still some disparities in how delegates are being allocated because California is not in. But let's just say we are where we are today. It's looking like around $10 million a delegate that he has spent all in for what he has earned versus what has gone out of the campaign. I mean, that's a lot when you need 1,900 delegates, just saying. But it's not even the money with him, right? It's just he could pay whatever he needs to pay for them. It's just, to me, the fact that he has made that giant infusion and campaigns that were on fumes. Like, the Biden campaign has been pretty cash-strapped comparatively, just blew him away. I mean, again, it's like we talked about this with Tom Steyer Democracy is a complicated cauldron, right? And there are a lot of different inputs to what ultimately comes out of it. Well, Bloomberg is out. Bernie is saying, as we're recording this on Wednesday, that Elizabeth Warren is reassessing her campaign. You know, I'm I'm pretty sad about how this turned out. I know many, many of you are very heartbroken um, that she didn't do better on Super Tuesday. It really stinks. I said on hot mic last night that <laughs> I've just experienced the the total depth of candidate disappointment over my two cycles with Hillary Clinton. So I don't know how much I have left. I, I'm starting to expect it. But um, I, ho- I still think she has a sort of a power play here. And I hope it ends up in her being 
in the cabinet or a vice presidential nominee. That's where everybody's hope, you know, nobody is like super excited about Joe Biden. So everybody's projecting all their excitement and and hope for the the Democratic primary that started with a, an incredibly diverse field into the vice presidential guessing game, which I can't wait to engage in over the next few weeks. Not really. So we'll see what happens next. But I think now, no matter what, Super Tuesday has produced a two-person race between Biden and Bernie. I expected Bloomberg to do better. I expected Bernie to have the lead in delegates. And neither of those things are true. Here is what I feel very encouraged by. Over the past five or six days, we have seen leaders actually leading. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. feel really good about that. It's yeah. it feels refreshing and new and hopeful. I would like to take a second to say I bet Jeb Bush is somewhere wondering where his friends were in 2016. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for all of us, I wish we could go back in time and figure out what that would have looked like if the Republican Party had leaders who actually led. And I know that there is this whole universe of conversation on Twitter about how the establishment has gone mm. out to get Bernie and it's fear-mongering and whatever. I Marianne Williamson, I was so disappointed, called it a coup. I don't understand, Marianne. What? Like this is people voting. You know, the establishment doesn't vote, people vote. And I think these endorsements are exactly what we elect people to do. We don't yeah. elect people to sit around and just take up oxygen and wait to see where the public takes them. They're supposed to step out and lead, and I'm glad that they've done it. I hate this total and complete lack of benefit of the doubt. We're not willing to give any of the benefit of the doubt to anybody once they're an elected official. And I experienced that firsthand. You see it even the more the higher people get up in politics. But, you know... Lots of people voted for Amy Klobuchar. They trust her judgment. This was her judgment. People voted for Pete Buttigieg only as mayor and in the presidential primary. This was his judgment. And people were like, well, I bet it was they get a cabinet position. Good for them. They should get something for it. This is how this works. This I don't know how people, if you, if you don't ever trust anyone to enter into public service, enter into politics, and simply make a call. Do you want every single thing they do to go before the people on an up or down vote? Like, I don't, they have to make their own judgments. We have to trust them to make their own judgments. Uh, Representative Clyburn made a judgment. And the, the people of South Carolina voted. And that's what really turned this race. Let's be clear. Like, if South Carolina had looked different, Super Tuesday would have looked different. And so I don't know how it can be an establishment coup when the primarily black voters of South Carolina said, no, this is who we're going to go with. And the rest of the Democratic Party went, "Okay, we were just waiting for somebody to say who we think can beat Trump, who we're all going to line up behind. This looks good. You know, I just people have been telling us over and over and over over and over again. I just want somebody that can beat Trump. Now, I think the flip side of that is people will vote for anybody as long as it's not Trump. But for better or for worse, that's not sort of the narrative that took on this, the the most momentum. And I think there's something to me about 
if that's our number one goal, then people are not looking for, you know, a laundry list of other massive policy changes. They're not there yet. People are further along than they were 10 years ago, and they might be there in another five. And I don't think Joe Biden has two terms in him. I just don't. So maybe, you know, giving everybody a break, vote for this person you know and trust, we'll get Donald Trump out of there, and then we'll reassess. I know that's not terribly exciting, but I'm not sure everybody's up for a terribly exciting 2020 race. It's going to be so horrific to have Donald Trump as an incumbent president running for re-election. Maybe adding off a lot of other emotional work. It's, it's just not, it's not the time for America. And I don't think that's a coup. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having an establishment that wants to protect its party from somebody who's not a member of it. And I don't, you know, I also think it, it's not just looking through the lens of the establishment, but it's also like when you look at Bernie, he didn't do as good. He didn't expand in the ways you would expect him to expand. His share of the electorate shrunk. It shrunk in Vermont and shrunk in Minnesota. I bet it's going to shrink in Michigan. And that's not because anybody's out to get him. He has the most money. He has the most ground game. So the voters don't want it. I don't know how else to explain it. The voters don't want that yet, y'all. I think health insurance is a huge problem. I think Medicare for all is the solution. But if people aren't there, they're not there. I don't know what else to say. I don't even know if it's that they're not there as much as they don't want it to come in the form of a revolution. Mm. I think people want health insurance to change dramatically. I think the vast majority of Americans are where the progressive left in the Democratic Party is on many, many issues. I think some of it is the methodology and the speed and the ability to do other things in addition to pursuing those really ambitious, aggressive goals, even if we're all on the same page about them, wanting somebody who can deal with the coronavirus, wanting somebody who knows how the government works and can work it. You know, we just did this deal with the Taliban, which is just a hard phrase to even get out of your mouth. And it seems like the agreement had not fully downloaded before the violence in Afghanistan started again. I'm at war with myself in a lot of ways right now because I feel so distrustful of everything. And when I started seeing those reports about the violence in Afghanistan, I thought, I want to understand the extent to which the American intelligence community has been consulted with in the process of getting to this agreement. Mm. Because not to go full conspiracy theorist, But if I'm a person who benefits from the United States standing and influence in the world being diminished, I'm feeling really good about the United States taking a flyer on an agreement with a group that has at minimum harbored terrorists while also terrorizing people in their own country and getting slapped in the face almost immediately to the point where we're having to drop bombs on the very people we just negotiated with, right? I'm feeling really good about that. And so there's a piece of me that just doesn't even trust anything around the process there. 
that is too much to handle as human beings. Just walk through the world, not feeling like we can trust our elections, not feeling like we can trust our elected leaders, not sure if we're going to get sick and die from something that sounded like the flu, but seems a lot more serious than the flu. Worried about the economy because the stock market has been so up and down. We don't even know which way is up anymore. And I'm in a weird place as we record this. It's my birthday. I just had a massage with the person I've been seeing for 10 years, who's the most central piece of my health care. And while I was laying there, she said something about just allowing myself to like get into my cells and know that I could just sit here as a big collection of cells and that's enough. And I started crying because just the idea of being able to be just a big sack of cells for a second and not filtering through all of that and worrying about it and working through it and just even letting things like laundry and what I'm going to make for dinner slide away for a second felt like such a relief. And I have a beautiful and easy life by every objective measurement. So the fact that I need that kind of relief from everything going on in the world right now makes me understand 100% why people who have harder circumstances to deal with every single day than I do are saying, just give me Joe Biden and let everything calm down for a second. I get it. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. 
This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. the other thing I want to say to Bernie supporters who are frustrated, who feel plotted against, who want the revolution now. There is a revolution taking place. I believe that. I think the Washington Post article, Miranda's Rebellion, is so reflective of many, many of our listeners' experiences. We hear all the time about people who have changed their registration, who are voting for the first time, paying attention for the first time, primarily women, primarily white women, a lot of former evangelicals or even still current evangelicals. We got messages all during Super Tuesday. I voted in a Democratic primary for the first time. It was hard. I've been told my whole life that a good Christian is a Republican. And there's so many women like that. I think I told myself that Everybody felt the same way after Donald Trump was elected on 2016. And so every woman that had changed her mind or felt betrayed was there the day after Election Day 2016. And that's just not true. Um, I think it's been building. I think a lot of events, particularly family separation, have pushed um, women further and further and further away from the Republican Party. And they're grappling with that. And they're doing quietly rebellious acts all the time. And that is... Subtle and important. And that's a sea change. That's a cultural change. That's a societal change. That is not just let's fight it out like we did about Obamacare. Because here's what happened with Obamacare. They're going to gut it again, guys. Like we fought and we fought and we fought for that. So what's to say we elect Bernie, we fight and we fight, and there are people spitting on representatives in town halls and people, you know, get violent like they did with Gabrielle Giffords. And then we get Medicare for all and then it just gets gutted and rolled back in the courts bit by bit by bit. I don't want to do that. I want to have it happen. I want every not everybody, but most everybody to be on board so it can last, so it can have real impact, and so we don't continue having the same fights over and over and over again. And that happens when you build a foundation of people really shifting, not people bludgeoned over the head with, you know, Twitter threads or shame or... Even electoral victories, honestly, like it's got to be more than that. And I know nobody wants to hear a comfortable white lady say, be patient. And that's not exactly what I'm saying. But I do think that there is change happening. And I think that Bernie Sanders, whatever happens moving forward, has fundamentally changed America, has fundamentally changed the Democratic Party, has moved the party to the left in real, impactful, important ways. That doesn't mean that the only success, the only solution to income inequality or our health care crisis is Bernie Sanders as president. It just isn't. And, you know, that sort of 
single focused populist obsession is not good. It's not good for anybody. And it's not how you get real, lasting, sustainable change. And I, I, you know, I think the grassroots is important. But right now, the Bernie Sanders campaign to me has shifted into something different. And I'm just frustrated with the talk of like, all or nothing. This is it. You're with us or you're against us. You know, I don't want that. I don't want that for the Democratic Party any more than I want it for the Republican Party. I mean, that to me is what's so hopeful about what's happened over the past few days where you have people saying, you know what, we're going to pick a direction and go with it. And we're going to do that together mm-hmm. because yep. that is what we've been missing. I mean, the the Trump way and the Republican Party has been one closed door after another for everybody who has a slightly different perspective and mm-hmm, for so mm-hmm. many people who have all kinds of objections to Joe Biden. Let us never forget the moment that Kamala Harris took him apart in the first debate. I mean, there are so many people who have objections to Joe Biden saying, yep, for the greater good right now, we're going to pick this direction and go with it. And he, too, is an imperfect messenger, to be sure. Lord. And we will spend lots of time, I am sure, on the vulnerabilities of Joe Biden in a general election in future <sighs> podcasts, because there are many. But for today, to see people saying, we can have an imperfect messenger, but the party itself is going to be one where we we pick a direction and grab hands and go. I just think it's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. and And I think it's a sign of health, because if mm-hmm. the party can do that internally— then maybe the the party caucuses can do it in our legislature. And then maybe they can start to do it with people who aren't in the party caucuses, right? And may, maybe that can be sort of the, the leadership that we've been looking for to say, okay, it's a little slower than you wanted, or it's a little clunkier than you wanted, or it has a different messenger than you wanted. But it, that's still fine. Because for today, that's where most people are. Let's scoop up more people and keep marching forward. Yeah, I just, I totally agree. I think it is really positive when a institution, political party, group, however you want to categorize the Democrats right now, says, we've decided. (laughs) And it's not perfect. And and everybody's a little bit unhappy. Look, I'm not happy about Joe Biden. I don't want Joe Biden to be our nominee. Let me go on the record and make that abundantly clear. I do not want Joe Biden to be our Democratic nominee. It is not my choice. I do not believe it is the best the Democratic Party has to offer. I don't agree with all his policy positions. I don't agree with everything he's done. As a, I mean, like, I could go on and on, all right? But the point is that it's not just about me. And I don't have the total and complete knowledge that I know who will win. I know what is best. I know what the country needs. I know. I mean, I think that income inequality and healthcare is a massive problem. I think climate change is an existential threat. I believe all those things. And also, I don't think Bernie should be our nominee either. Like, all those things can be true, man. Like, I just... It's so frustrating to hear this, the moralizing and the the us against them. This is it. This is our only chance. 
language. I just don't think that's true. I don't think it's helpful. I think this is a big party that got much bigger after Donald Trump. And we have to figure out a good compromise. That's what political parties do. They exchange power and they compromise. That's what political leaders do. That's what Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar did. And good for them. Because when it becomes a narcissistic exercise that's all about one person, then it's not a party. It's just an ID, you know, a group of ideologues. And I don't want that. I want, you know, my friend was texting me. He was so upset. And I said, hey, this isn't about what's morally right. That's ethics. Politics is about what you can get done. And there are there's room for ethical conversations and philosophical debates within politics. At the end of the day, it's about exchanging power and seeing what you can get done. And I think we all just have to come to Jesus on that. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. 
Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. I listened to Representative Clyburn's remarks a couple of times about his decision to endorse Joe Biden. And it reminded me of this book that I mentioned to you the other day, The Rabbit Listened. The Rabbit Listened, if you don't know it, is a children's book that was given to me by just this wonderful, open-hearted, generous person. And in the book, there's a small child who builds something with blocks, and then a bird comes along and knocks it down. And the child is devastated. And all these different animals come to the child and offer their forms of support. So... um, I don't know, an elephant says, you just need to remember exactly how you built it and built it back. And he rejects those forms of support. There's a hyena that says, let's laugh about this. And a snake that says, let's go knock somebody else's building down. And someone else that says, let's talk, talk, talk. There's a chicken that says, let's talk, talk, talk about it. (laughs) And the child doesn't want to talk about it. And finally, the child doesn't even notice that a rabbit has sat down beside the child. And it's kind of lovely. You don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Like everything about this book is so thoughtful and, and beautifully designed. But anyway, eventually, the child feels like doing all those things that the other animals had suggested. And the rabbit just listens. And then eventually the child builds again. It's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous book. That is a long way of saying that what I heard from Representative Clyburn was sort of that Joe Biden has been a rabbit in America Mm. and that he has been around long enough and seen enough and heard enough that he is the right person for this moment. And I can imagine him and you almost see this in the people endorsing him. He will be made better by the elephant and the snake and the hyena and, you know, all these different people's approaches, because this primary has been long in ways that matter. Everybody who ran here made an unbelievable impact. There, I can't even imagine how many kids heard Julian Castro and decided that they're going to be something that matters someday, right? And and that nine-year-old who asked Pete Buttigieg for his support in coming out and all of the girls who've who've met Elizabeth Warren and had their photos taken and had her look them in the eye and tell them, you can be president too. And I mean, this has been long in ways that matters. And for the party then to coalesce and say, okay, we're going to go with the known quantity. And also, all of us are going to rub off on him in the process. I think that's really great and really hopeful. And if that gives a sense of calm and stability to the people who are the very foundation of the Democratic Party, in addition to people like me who are not the very foundation of the Democratic Party, what what a great result. Yeah, I really feel like when I look at Joe Biden as a candidate, what I feel more than anything is that this is a group effort. You know what I mean? Like, I do feel that sort of Joe Biden is not necessarily 
sort of an alpha candidate in the way Obama was or Bill Clinton was or it's a, it feels different to me because of his age, because of his experience, because of his legislative experience and personal experience. It does feel different to me. And it doesn't feel like some massive conspiracy. It feels like the Democratic Party for once because we're not we're not known for this. Got organized and decided what we wanted. What an accomplishment. That's so rare for us. I'm so proud. Um, and I'm not sad about it. I'm not I'm not sad. I want us to pick somebody that will allay people's fears. That was not for better for us. That was not Bernie Sanders. I had a lot of conversations before Super Tuesday with people who were not going to vote for Donald Trump and said, I would not under any circumstances vote for Bernie Sanders. Now, that is anecdotal. You can take it and it's not going to mean much. But, you know, it was enough to me to just see even how my dad, who would vote for Trump no matter what, felt about Bernie Sanders and sort of all his past comments. I don't want to do the red baiting, scare tactic stuff. And and to a certain extent, do I think that they were going to do that no matter what? Like Pete Buttigieg said, yeah, but it's a lot harder when it's a former vice president. You know, like it's a, a lot harder to paint this man who was in the White House with Obama or the administration with Obama for eight years and say, oh, he's a dirty socialist. I mean, like, that's not an easy task, I think. That's an uphill climb, let's put it that way. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to have the all Democrats are socialist conversation. I think that's the people who flipped districts in 2018 didn't do that. And I think there's a reason that they won. And that's a more positive direction to go into. And I know that means that we can't go as far left as a lot of people, including me, would really like. But we have to meet people where we're at. There has to be a balance between, you know, doing what we think is right, pushing the policies we think will make an impact, and the political calculations of what can you what you can get done, where people are at, how you maintain power. Like, those are complicated calculations. And this was a Obviously, a very complicated calculation over the past couple months that, you know, what Joe Biden got more than anything were the people who just couldn't make that calculation and were just waiting for somebody to say, this is it. This is the person. I mean, he got like 30 percent of late deciding voters. Those people went, all right, cool. This is what we're doing. Sounds great. That's what people wanted to do. People just wanted them to be told this is who we think will be can beat Donald Trump. And so, you know, I think that when you look at. Even the media coverage, because I know the Bernie people are very much on like the media never gave him a fair shake. And to a certain extent, I think that's true. But to a certain extent, the media can do math and they can add up the percentage of people that were supporting moderates and see that there was a bigger coalition of moderates than were supporting Bernie Sanders, whose coalition was stronger in some ways and and different than 2016. And I think that the Bernie people need to accept that instead of always playing the victim and blaming somebody else for electoral outcomes they didn't see coming. And look, we're talking about this like it's over. It's not. It's far from over. Right. Lots and lots right. of people left. Lots and lots of delegates left. And and we'll see, you know, what the majority of Democratic voters have to say rolling forward from here. I am just encouraged because I think so frequently about 2016 as a Republican primary voter in that election, mm-hmm. I am so encouraged by the decision among like-minded people to coalesce around this candidate and by the selflessness people have displayed in that process and the risks some of them have taken. I think it's just, I think it's really encouraging. Well, 
here's the thing I was going to say about that, about the, I think it is so ugly and cynical to think that those people who made those calls, the endorsers, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, were doing it. You know, it's like that when you hear people say, well, they're just the, the establishment, like it's a curse word, as if they were like getting paid or protecting. I, I don't even know what people think, why they were doing what they were doing. But and listen, nobody knows, but they do. Nobody knows but them. But like. Maybe it's just that these people run for office and talk to voters and believe based on their experiences that Bernie Sanders can't win. Maybe it's just that simple because it's not just that they're fundraisers. They are actual politicians who talk to everyday voters, who go out there and have campaign events, particularly Pete Buttigieg in Iowa, who was doing an enormous amount of retail politics. And to believe that the only calculation where, well, his billionaire buddies want to squash Bernie is so cynical. It's just so cynical. And as someone who lived in Washington, D.C., I think that, you know, no doubt there's a lot of room for that skepticism. And there is too much influence and there's too much money in politics. But maybe it's just that they're out there listening and they they took away the conclusion from their own electoral successes or electoral experiences was that Bernie can't win, and they wanted a Democrat as the Democratic nominee. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You can disagree with it, but I don't think there's anything nefarious in coming to that conclusion. Well, the other thing I wanted to say is when you said we might not go as far left as, as you want to, you might go farther left under a Joe Biden presidency than a Bernie Sanders presidency because you might have more to work with in Congress. And you might have more to work with at the state level because there are a whole lot of people on the ballot when we vote for the president and a whole lot of people in this country who decide to vote straight ticket. And so if you have an opportunity to elect Bernie Sanders as president, but then have folks say, I got to counter that in some way with my Republican legislators, you, you would get more done, I think with a more moderate president and a more liberal legislature, both at the national and the state level. And there's risk for me in that, right? Because there's a risk that things could go much further than I think is wise. And as you go in that direction, there are not a lot of backseas, right? And when you do it, when you try to roll things back, as we've seen with the Affordable Care Act, it comes at too much risk because things have settled and people rely on them. And you can't just take away once you've given and so there, there is risk in saying, I think it's better to elect a lot of Democrats along with Joe Biden. But I do think that's what America needs right now. And I do think and hope that this is the path that has the greatest likelihood of success under that rubric. Well, thank you. As we're all processing our big feelings about Super Tuesday for joining us here for more conversation on Pantsuit Politics, we enjoy Every single one of you and your emails, except for the mean ones, which I'm afraid might be coming. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, We hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. We will be back in your ears on Tuesday. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. 
Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Our executive producers are Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Martha Branitsky, Tiffany Hasler, Joshua Allen, David McWilliams, Amy Whited, and Allie Edwards. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 